It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. I am Max, and today we have a really interesting story to share. I'm presenting this with uh, my co-host, Jordan, um, at Out of Spec. Hey, Jordan. Howdy. We're talking to Roman Nidzelka, who is writing his Zero DSRX, and for those of you who don't know what that is, we'll explain, but basically an electric motorcycle around the world. Right now, he's in Kazakhstan, and he is... Uh, on his way through Asia, but he's going to also be coming through the U.S. and uh, really just all around the world. He's been in places like China uh, and Indonesia, and we have a lot to learn from him. So I think it's going to be super interesting. But uh, Jordan, I'll let you take the introduction from here. Yeah, Roman, great to meet you. Great to meet my hero who is taking my favorite motorcycles around the world, uh, and specifically the DSRX. I went to the launch last year, and that's when I first fell in love with it. And to hear your story is really impressive and epic. And um, so I guess I don't, I don't even know where to start. Um, so maybe we can start with where you started, I guess, Indonesia, right? Where you've been living for the past few years. Yeah. Hey, hi, Max. Uh, hi, Jordan. Everybody No, it's awesome that uh, you guys uh, gave this opportunity. And I mean, exactly. So I've been living for the last six years in Indonesia. And Indonesia is a very two-wheeler centric country. So there are nine times more motorcycles than cars in Indonesia. And this is even more, you know, this is similar across the whole Asia. So so really the mobility there is about, about two wheelers. And and myself, when I when I came there, I always was riding cars. Yeah, I I lived in Middle East and Europe, we always had a nice big car where you put everything inside. And and that is not really feasible in Jakarta because of the traffic. So it was the first time when I considered just to get a motorcycle to be able to move uh, faster around. And just by sheer luck, I may I, I managed to get an electric one. And I just fell in love with it. Uh, it was just, you know, more agile, quiet, uh, because motorcycle can be charged from a normal power plug. There were no issues with uh, sort of uh, 
sourcing uh, sourcing the power for it so i just really loved it and uh uh and then i as i started to work uh and and as a, as a management consultant i work with the clients uh i started to be more interested in the whole mobility topic and and, and mobility is is very car centric globally right uh when we talk about electric uh, mobility so i realized that there is a need to put really more focus on on two wheelers because again in indonesia if we talk about the potential it's in in two wheelers so yeah. i started to sort of promoting and i just i just really became convinced just by my own experience riding these bikes uh in in let's say interesting and sometimes challenging environment of indonesia i just realized that they're already really mature this is not so, sort of an early adoption phase this is really ready for for mass adoption so uh you know, apart from I started the uh, e-mobility associations of uh, Indonesia, so I started to be more involved. I worked with the government, and then I just had this idea that it would be really awesome just to have this practical example of what is possible with these bikes. And already three years ago, I had the idea to ride motorbike, electric motorbike around the world. Uh, it was zero because I've been riding zeros. Uh, uh, as well, so I was confident uh, in their in their capabilities, but then COVID came. Uh, so basically, yeah, there was no no route, nothing. So uh, waited three years. In those three years, they launched much better model, which which I'm thankful now for. After you know pushing it through some tests in different environments, I don't know if the older model would make it. This one did so far. Uh, so I just needed to do a lot of preparation because I'm a Slovak national living in Indonesia. So I needed to get the bike from US, get it properly registered, get all the carnets and everything to be able to travel different different countries around the world. So it took a bit of a preparation. But finally, I departed in uh, in July, and yeah, I already went across the whole Asia. Now, uh, now ready to enter Europe. Just need to do Azerbaijan, Turkey, but. Uh, are getting there yeah and you went through like china um and so you, you've experienced a couple different charging standards already um because of course the bike is equipped with a type 2 charger and then in china you had to use their standard and you said you had success with a, an adapter of some sort yeah look i i, I they, they say that one of the biggest achievements and marvels of of, of human you know, effort innovation is the power grid. And it's true. Now, if you look, power is everywhere and it's amazing. And the, the, the beauty of motorcycle is that the battery is small, so it can be yeah. charged from just the normal power plug. Doesn't need any extra charging infrastructure with higher power. So I've been charging by default. 80% of my charging is uh, from, a, from a normal power plug. I go to the hotel in the evening, they're just plugging in in the morning, I'm fully charged. But if I want to cover longer distance in a day, and if it's in a country which has a which has a charging infrastructure, then I do it, and it varies. So uh, in Asia, Europe is more Type Two. So for example, Thailand, super advanced. Yeah, uh, it was very easy. A lot of charging stations. Uh, so I would just charge there directly with my bike, uh, bike uh, onboard charger without need for an adapter because it's Type Two. Yeah. Surprisingly, when I was in China, which is a completely different GBT standard, I managed to get from Alibaba this uh, this adapter, 
and uh and it worked <laughs> and, you know it's it's not these things never someone did before so also for me i i had <laughs> i had limited trust in that but as i plugged it in it worked yeah there was no big spark fortunately which would end my journey uh it, it works so gbt worked when i will go to us then i will need an adapter for for that uh, that that plug but I think the the onboard charger is already so smart and it's all about IT, these things, right? That they can communicate with these different standards and different chargers and agree yeah. on sort of uh, output and, and all of that. So it's amazing. It works. Exactly. These are the type of uh, adapters which uh, which can be used. So they work. Yeah. So you, I wanted to ask if you've seen or experienced the Long Way series, like with Ewan McGregor yeah. and his friend yeah. um <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask like what was kind of some of the inspiration did you pick up any from those did you watch those series and be like okay i should do that i should not do that um what was the planning process for this like perfect no i saw it of course and and it was a source of inspiration maybe in a, in a, with a different twist but uh for me so i liked it it's a great show it's a great entertainment and that's what it is yeah. so there is a need to create a drama and, and play in maybe in some beliefs people have and everything. So what I have picked up from that is exactly that I want to show that actually it's not that difficult. And there are never, I, I, I've been riding four years. Also now I've covered already like 16,000 kilometers. Never ever happened to me that I was not, uh, that I basically did not have enough power to get where I need to get to. I was never getting to these, you know, 5%, 3% drama, I will make it or not. Because that works for TV, it's great. It creates tension and attention. For me, I never had it because with the proper planning, it doesn't happen. So actually, my inspiration was to show that it's actually much easier. It's it's possible. It doesn't need any crew, any support around it, any you know anything which these guys have. It's just be one guy and a bike, and and you can do it, and you can do it everywhere yeah that's why i ride around the world so and i ride like like now in kazakhstan with with places which which have uh, kazakhstan has the size of western europe but has 10 times less people basically there are like sheer you know areas where there is nothing and and still it's okay i could i could do the i could do the electric bike so uh i've learned from that that uh actually i want to show my much much more relatable much more realistic, frankly, because you know how these shows work, uh, and <laughs> and, uh, and and that's it. So maybe my sh my my journey. Obviously, I don't have amazing uh, video shots. Uh, I, I I actually take uh, all the pictures and videos myself, so it's it's, it's limited visual pleasure. But uh, but definitely, I've I've picked it up. I think it's 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 it was an inspiration in terms of doing something long, and I already wanted at the time to do around the world. I was just waiting yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh i think uh it it, sh it portrayed electric motorcycle is still something which is not mature and has some flaws what i do actually i'm i own a portrait very authentically yeah, that actually not nah, it's, uh, it's already quite good it's even much better yeah there is a herd of uh, camels I can come to them, you know, a little bit to check out like how they are because I'm quiet. I'm not scaring anybody. Yeah. Uh, I can enjoy and be much more immersed when I'm riding through environments. Actually, I don't listen to music on my bike. I just because I can listen things <laughs> like this one, checking out my checking out my bike. This was a funny one. The, 
uh, the, the, this is my bike covered, and 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 she was missing the camel. He, camels are huge, by the way. If you don't know, it's, it's really big animal. <laughs> if you are next to it, <laughs> yeah. anyway. So uh, so yeah, that's uh, yeah. So any anyone who's watching, you know, we we do this podcast both um, for our audio listeners, but also watching them. Uh, and visually, we have some aids that he has provided, and um, you know, there's photos like him in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I guess I, I wanted to ask the burning question that everyone asks, how far do you go on a charge? I mean, what do you feel comfortable with when you're planning the route out and looking at the, uh, you know, charge point to charge point? Yeah, that's, that is how I've learned a lot. So, uh, more or less I can do 300 kilometers on one charge. This is obviously subject to terrain, which I knew, but in Kazakhstan, I learned it's subject to wind. Wind is a huge factor. It can take 20, 30% of my range, seriously. That, that first time it surprised me, but I was lucky a little bit. Yeah. So I need to do some planning for a day, at least. So I have some longer plan, and then I do a daily one, at least. Uh, again, I need to see if there was this 400-kilometer stretch, for example, in Kazakhstan, which I needed yeah. to cover. There was nothing. Only in the middle, there was some spot, like, look, some settlement. Like, I hope they have electricity there or not. And then I need to study satellite images if there is going some some power lines there and, and they were so okay so I can do this hope so I can do 300 I with a nice backwind to Almaty I did like 330 on one charge yeah. if the headwind is I I do two two thirty yeah it's uh, it's tougher so I need to really do boost charges because I try to cover also those 300 at least in a day if i was when i was in, in in thailand i could do 500 because they have a good charging infrastructure with fast chargers so i'll just plug on the way for lunch somewhere uh, but uh that's that's more or less my my daily minimum i would say it's 300. yeah if i'm, if I'm fine i do more and uh how, how... oh go ahead nice Oh, no, I'm just, I just want to comment, you know, that seems very reasonable range-wise, honestly, uh, like in terms of being doable. And I like how you, you know, note that like, unlike long way up, when things are not dramatized, like there, you don't have to have drama if you've done your planning, logistical uh, things you can control. And I, I am impressed too, like even in remote places like uh, the rural parts of Kazakhstan in Central Asia, where it is just largely low infrastructure, you're still able to find a way to make things work. Obviously, when you're in cities like Almaty, uh, then I'm sure the infrastructure is just fine uh, and not an issue. But I found it really interesting you mentioning that it's the right, it's the wind that makes such a noticeable difference. I'm sure the stance on the bike too, to the extent you can control, because like everyone always thinks about like hills and elevation with electric vehicles and you have regenerative braking and other kinds of things. And when you're in places like Kazakhstan, I imagine the route you're taking is pretty flat. So it's super interesting to just think about like if range is a concern, the thing you can control really is what just the wind, you can't control that. Then you have the speed you go. And if yeah. you go faster speed, I'm guessing your range is going to drop precipitously. Exactly, exactly. This is this this was the moment when the wind surprised me, and I was lucky. Found this plug uh, next to the road on the on the light pole, uh, because then when there is a strong headwind, what I can do is only only well, I could catch a truck, but it's dangerous because 
in the, the the truck's wind tunnel in a heavy wind is super turbulent I, I and they go fast so i cannot go like it's it becomes uh, dangerous so the really only thing is crawling <laughs> which i did a few times <laughs> uh but i do crawling mostly before i still have a buffer but it's also because i never know where i come like on these maps yeah exactly like I had a destination which was supposed to be a city where I wanted to stay. So I still had around 15% energy buffer here in Kazakhstan. But I go there and, and there is no road and the city is on the side from the main road and there is a sort of some off-road. I really seriously was not convinced to go there because it looked like big city, so should not be road like that. So I made a huge circle. So I lost another maybe 20 kilometers. And I eventually came back to that uh, off-road road, and I, I, I did it and got to the city. But if I didn't have that buffer, maybe I would have an issue. So what I'm saying is that even if there is a wind or, or terrain, I still need to leave some buffer for my destination because I will need to figure out when I'm going to actually stay. Typically, it's already late. It's night. Uh, when I came, I, I came to 2 a.m. In, in Laos to a city. It's okay because I knew that there are... 10 hotels and I can a little bit explore. Whereas here in, in Kazakhstan, there is only one place and if that place does not exist or it's, you know, it's, again, here things are not that updated. You have maps, but it's not always accurate. So I need to have a bit of a backup for, for doing something else. But I, again, I never really ended up or sleeping on, on the road or uh, not being to charge, able to charge overnight. Yeah. Uh, and can we talk about the kind of the bike itself? So first of all, um, when did you first start trying to ride electric? Uh, was that like an earlier zero or any other companies? Yeah, yeah. I had an FX. It was amazing. So I was in Jakarta. There are no electric bikes at the time. It's like six years ago, five years ago. And I decided to get a bike because it's much easier to move around. You can get out of the, the bubble of a traffic uh, and uh and and, and my girlfriend uh, i just show her his picture like look exactly on this website like there are these electric bikes i I'm, I'm thinking of of getting one and she looks at it and she says look i don't know but i think we have like this in our garage and she worked <laughs> in a in the media company this fx fx and i was like that is impossible they are in the us you cannot have it so she was working in a in a company which was doing the shows and zero was doing a show and there were some payment things. So at the end, they gave bikes to the to the company, and they were selling them. So I got a FX for like in Indonesia for even some some discount. So that was the first time I got an electric bike, and I just loved it. Again, as I said, it's a. Uh... So I never really was riding motorcycles before. So yeah. my first bike was uh, was electric. Really? And, wow. Yeah, and then I had to do a driving license and everything. Yeah. And I, I sit on this combustion bike and I was like, what is this? <laughs> it's loud. You have to do all these things with clutch and gears and stuff. Yeah. And 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 really didn't make much sense to me. But I understand the perspective of people who ride been riding those bikes. They and they they basically it's really what are used to. It's the same thing like when you have manual and automatic transmission on the car. Yeah, I've been riding automatic. When I go to manual, it doesn't make any sense. It's just in traffic. You just have to be changing <laughs> gears, etc. And I think most of the population is now in consensus that automatic is better. So I think it's very similar to to electric. Like, yeah, they still have this. You know, if you have memories of the loud bike 
from your childhood or something and impressing with the with the sound and all the mechanics i think it, it has charm yeah i get it but from a pure practical point of view which i had because i, I my first bike was electric uh i don't find that uh, that charm in it yeah i actually find charm more in again being more immersed in environment so i was uh i had i had to, in china you have to have this agent to cross the border because china is very very complicated for crossing yeah. so she she helped me to get through the border and then she need to get to her car so and she's been doing this with with bikers long time so i said hey i give you a ride just just hop back so she she sits back in my bike and i just ride her to the car a few kilometers and and i stopped talking to her and she's like this is the first time I talk to somebody on a motorcycle. <laughs> it, because, yeah. Yeah, it's super different. And I, I really like, I came from gas motorcycles, switched to electric, uh, mostly because I started covering zero. And, uh, you know, I've, I've ridden Livewire and, and the competitors. And um, I, I'm thrilled to see you doing this on a zero, partially because, you know, the long way up, famously, they were starting with zero. And then suddenly they mysteriously switched to Harley. Um, I, I don't know if that would have happened if the DSR X had been out because the X has really be like it's the new really awesome kind of flagship bike from zero. It has really advanced traction control, unlike some of the earlier bikes. And, um, you know, Harley allegedly just kind of gave a lot of money and that's why they picked Harley. Whereas I think zero would have been a great choice. And it's, it's, I'm glad to see you using zero in this case. Um, but it is interesting that you came from not a gas bike, just jumping straight to electric. And you also start on the FX, which um, if Max goes back to the models, it's the very that the lowest one on the list. And it's also super light, you know, scroll all the way down. Did you have the 3.6 or 7.2 kilowatt hour battery on this one? Yeah, I had two, two batteries, two batteries. And actually yeah. I crossed Indonesia on that one. So I was the first also, the, really? that was my sort of a trial. <laughs> and you know, the range of this one range is hundred kilometers, but fortunately, yeah. Unlike Kazakhstan, Java is the super dense populated island. So I could, yeah, there was no problem with charging. But I, I thought exactly if I can be crossing on 100 kilometer range, yeah. I can be cross Indonesia, I can cross world on 300. So, uh, <laughs> and it was not really a choice. It was just what was available. But uh, I, I've been, I've been a little bit, yeah, testing with what, what was available. And this DSRX, what what is really yeah, exactly? It's, I think the huge, I mean, improvement is the reliability. Man, it's, I, it's, I, it's... I, I, I've driven, I've driven in, a, you know, rainy season. I caught the rainy season because I was later to get yeah. all my administrative documents. So I caught the rainy season in South Asia. It was raining every day. I just could not not to ride in the rain. So I was riding in the rain all day. And it was okay. Why was fine? It's 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 fine. I then I went to desert where there is a lot of dust and you know heat. The only only maintenance I did on this trip was my rear mirror was a little bit loose, so I needed the hex and and then adjusting the belt. I think the belt changes the sort of tensions based on humidity or something. So I had to do it a few times. Other than that, nothing. I want to bring that up because for people who aren't familiar, right, like the belt, the carbon belt drive is such an interesting alternative to a chain. And it kind of goes hand in hand with the electric powertrain in being a low worry item. I mean, here you have this uh, picture on your Instagram. Uh, I believe this is in China, I'm assuming. 
Uh, but you, you know when, Oh yeah, so people can see. Uh, but you know you went through. I'm sure countless different elevations, different humidity and temperature conditions, and it sounds like the drivetrain and the performance has been pretty consistent throughout your journey. Amazing, exactly. So initially, I even thought I need to be super gentle with the bike to make it happen because it's a long journey. Right? It's like forty thousand kilometers or something. So I'll be gentle. But then I was just going to these these places where I just could not resist, and I just took it a little bit off road. I took it in the sand. I it was just amazing. And the main worry is that the the small uh, rocks or something will get there and and breaks the belt. It has not happened. Yeah, like this one. Uh, you know, it's a lot of dust and everything. It's the, what they did. They put an extra cover on the belt on the SRX. So uh, the belt is uh, more protected. And as I said, I, I was riding different terrains. And uh, I, I carry a spare belt just, just in case. Fortunately, I didn't have to use it. All, that, all I need to do is just really make sure that the tension is right. It, it, Which it, is it changed with the... Yeah, it, it's impressive. And our so our colleague, Kyle, and... Um, time and a couple others took these across Montana, you know, the widest state in the United States, um, but not the DSRX. It was the older DSR, which had the older belt. And that's been, it's interesting hearing this story and it's real life application of Zero's new belt on the DSRX because it's newly reinforced and there are holes between each tooth on the belt so that if a rock gets yeah. in there, the rock can fly out which is a big deal on the spike because they, they've they heard and seen a lot of people breaking belts. It's, it's very common. And a lot of people who take these on hardcore adventures, like older bikes, like the FX or even the DSR, they would put chains on them because the chains were more reliable. But Zero remedied that with this new carbon reinforced belt on the DSRX with the holes in the sprockets, which is kind of brilliant. So that, that's cool to hear that yours has been flawless so far because I think they broke a belt just crossing Montana which is not even that hard to do. No, exactly. I hear the I hear the sort of rocks like bouncing off the bike, but they don't they don't get there. Or if they do, yeah, I think this whole is great design uh, design improvement. So so far it's been okay. Yeah, but no other maintenance. It's just it just works, right? <laughs> charging. That's it. That's it. And I say like I'm either get... riding or charging. I want to get back to that topic because, you know, just looking on your Instagram, people are asking like, and you know, this, these may not be the most hardcore EV or bike specific enthusiasts, but like, do you bring a spare battery? How are you doing this? And I just want to ask about that, like towards where, where you're looking, obviously going in Europe, in the US, uh, sounds like charging options are flexible, but like, how does it change your mentality when you are always thinking about that as your next stop? Because ideally, right? every one of your stops should be some kind of charger and occasionally you're plugging into people's residential or business like household outlets and occasionally you have these kind of fast chargers i assume this is in china too where infrastructure is going to be more advanced for that kind of thing uh, using that gpt adapter um like have you a lot of your journey has been through asia so far but like have you seen a variety and experiences of like charging uh does it seem like parts of the world have a long way to go in terms of like catching up to where we need to be if we're going to have EVs that can do this? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's very diverse. So uh, 
I would take one extreme, which is China, which is completely electrified. So in China, for example, in the cities, there cannot be a two-wheeler, which is a combustion engine, only electric. All the, all the scooters, motorcycles, everything is electric. It's amazing. And there is a, obviously widely available infrastructure. It just changes the dynamics of the city. It's more quiet. It's just great. And yeah? the other extreme would be, for example, Jakarta, as I said, which is a super noisy, uh, noisy environment because all the bikes are non-electric. When it comes to charging, also I need to make a point. I'm not saying that, hey, I mean, now you should be touring, touring on electric bike. That's not the point. It's still obviously you see what I do, right? It requires planning and that. What I'm saying is that, look, and if you can do this, you don't need to be worried about using electric bike in a city or you know in your in your country where you need to go a couple hundred kilometers up and up and there. And if you have that infrastructure, then uh, you know, like in Thailand, for example, when I was in Thailand, people was not even uh, not even surprised that they they have already a lot of electric cars. Uh, not not that many two wheelers, but basically charging has become already a norm there. Yeah? People have built their behaviors around it. Companies have realized that there are business models around it. So it's all organically growing and more or less balancing the demand and supply for, for the charging. So that is happening. I will see how is it in, in, in Europe and US. I obviously it's probably much, much more, you know, advanced in terms of the coverage. So uh, that probably will be even easier. I think what is important for scooters, on the other hand, or motorcycles, is that also people should not think that they can charge only in the in the charging station. The home charging is the most convenient. I think there is a study uh, where actually uh, you know people prefer if they have the home charger and they have place to park their bike. It's actually much more convenient. You don't even need to go comparing to your bike with the gas gas powered bike you don't even need to go to a gas station which is inconvenience for some people if you have it at home just plugging it in it also has this nice feeling of uh, sort of a uh, control uh it's cheaper it's much cheaper than than, than, than gas so uh home charging i think it's probably an interesting point which many people don't think about because if people think about cars then it's not so you know it's a different story for a bike it's a default mode of uh, charging i mean yeah when i was with my bike in jakarta uh 300 kilometers in jakarta you will you will not make even in a week in the traffic so i would just i would just bike <clears throat> charge it once a week yeah yeah it's it's interesting difference between the cars because like you said the cars have a much bigger battery and so home charging with a car is really it's it's mostly needed to have a 240 220 volts higher voltage outlet to to kind of level two charge it overnight whereas with the motorcycles you know i yeah i charge my zero on 110 1.2 kilowatt um overnight it's full even if i'm completely empty and it, you're right it does make it easy to go anywhere and think well i can probably find a little outlet somewhere whereas with a car you have to be a bit more worried about finding an actual high enough power charger to make it worth your time because you can charge a car on a, on a household outlet and it would just take a week or two <laughs> so the the yeah. bike makes it a, a much easier and i mean it's it's very this whole adventure is very intriguing to me i'm excited to see you continue it you know we'll be following along we'd love to have you back on the show to get more updates as you continue around the world and of course when you come through the united states 
Um, being in Colorado, we live right along the two main, you know, cross country routes. So you'll definitely have to come see us. I'd love to see your bike and uh, maybe make some videos or something and show you show you our beautiful little land over here. But that man, this makes me want to go everywhere else too. <laughs> Thank definitely. I, I don't have a specific route for us yet, so I'll build it around. Uh, you know, being able to to meet you guys. Yeah, but, uh, we absolutely need to meet you. And I'm sure, you know, we've got to do more content on this, even for people watching this who are not familiar with the bikes. I feel like this is so telling about EV infrastructure. And I want to go back to one of the first things you said, Roman, that like the electricity grid by itself is a miracle, right? That it exists and works at all. And when you have a more efficient two-wheeled vehicle that doesn't need to charge as quickly, I mean, at Addis back here in the US, because we cover cars so much, we've been like broken records complaining about broken DC fast chargers and unreliable infrastructure. And these are growing pains, but the reality is we live in a developed country. Uh, and when you have a lower power application like this, I think the possibilities show that charging can be good. It already is good for bikes, and Kyle always says this with cars. Like when it comes to the products, EVs aren't the future, they are here. Uh, and it's, I mean, you're pushing the absolute limit of what you can do on a bike. And it seems like you're having a great time still, obviously, with preparation and knowledge. But I mean, if you can do this, yeah, people with their zero or their live wire or whatever their choices at home uh, can absolutely cruise their local routes, get comfortable with it, and feel confident knowing that they can charge in a lot of places because they're not necessarily tethered to charge stations in that same mentality uh, that people have always thought about with gas. You can always really just charge just about anywhere you can get electricity. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's great to meet you, Roman. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And um, like I said, we'll, we will definitely have to do more more episodes and learn more about the journey. And uh, like I said, we'll be following along. Um, Max, I don't remember if you want to read off the Instagram and like or wherever you want to have people follow you and see your journey. Um, let them know. E dot round the world e underscore round yeah so my instagram is yeah, e description, but yeah. people should check out your instagram i think that's where you're most active but you have a youtube channel too yeah i'm i'm, I'm doing some videos i'm, I'm I, I shoot it and i have some friends who are actually turning it into some some videos so that is as well on, on youtube we'll be covering the the main blocks of of uh, countries i cross so now I'm, I'm 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 done with kazakhstan so i'm going now to azerbaijan georgia turkey yeah. so europe but i think quite frankly the most challenging was this part of asia because europe as you said europe us there is even more charging infrastructure so i consider it yeah well best of luck the rest of the way and uh we'll we'll definitely have you back on soon yeah, we awesome. have to have you on, Roman. Thanks so much for coming on. <laughs> Good luck <laughs> with the rest of your that. journey. You made it through Central Asia, like you said. That's probably going to be the hardest and most remote part. But uh, looking forward, nonetheless, to seeing what happens next because you've still got a you know, lot of way to go ahead of you. So it's like, all exciting stuff. Awesome. Thank you guys for you know giving me the opportunity to exactly to showcase how how mature and reliable the the mobility on two wheelers already is. Thank you. Great. Well, see you soon, hopefully, and safe travels, Roman. <laughs> yeah, see you. See you in the US. <laughs> Bye.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.